What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. I think we've really been able to envelop the community. We were always a little behind them, which is really great because we're able to take a tactical approach to it. And because the fan base of the game is so strong, it just allows us to invest more and more into it. Welcome to episode number two of Land Party's video gaming and esports podcast, brought to you by The Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, we made it to a second episode. Yes, we made it. We have not been canceled. We are still here. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. And as always, you can find us at reviewjournal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to us at any of the major podcast players. Links will be in the description below. And we have a great show for you this week. We've got Matt Archambault from Riot Games to talk to about League of Legends, which just started their spring split this past weekend. And we've got some other hot topics to discuss, like the Xbox One X, I guess Xbox Series X, and PlayStation 5, and some more fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited to get into this. I know that uh, you know league. They they've just recently started out with their uh, uh, their season. Uh, we've got Overwatch League that starts out here in uh, uh, February eighth. So uh, the competitive uh, battles are are starting to heat up. Plus, there's been some uh, uh, some changes, uh, some shakeups and whatnot in the esports world, both where it's going to be uh, where it's going to be broadcast, uh, who some of the players are and whatnot. So I'm excited to get into this, talk about talk about it a little bit, and and see what kind of changes they have coming up in uh, uh, in league play. All right, so let's get going. So yeah, League of Legends just got going with their spring split last weekend, and I think the most notable result from that was Cloud9 defeated Team Liquid. Uh, this is a rematch of the summer finals from last year. I think this is pretty clear that these two teams are fairly well predicted to be going at it again this year. It's a pretty notable result just I think with the ease that Cloud9 seemed to have that victory. And it'll be interesting going forward. Now, Team Liquid was not at full strength. Uh, one of their players was having some visa issues. So that obviously will change things once they are at full strength and have some time to gel. But I think it kind of puts Team Liquid on notice here that they can't just waltz uh, into the spring title again this year. Well, and the other thing, too, I, I find that it's interesting. It's like they've kind of been seen as a, a team that uh, very much is 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 favorited coming into the season. Uh, they were expected to to dominate. And just the fact that Cloud9 came in, I mean, again, you it doesn't matter what the people's expectations are, what you're doing. It's about that that team balance, that team flow. And once the games start, uh, all that stuff goes out the window, right? Uh, so that, I, you know, you're right. I, I hope for them, Team Liquid, uh, that 
probably was a wake-up call for them that this is not going to be a, a breeze. But again, it's the beginning of the season. Uh, people are still feeling out. I don't know, uh, you know, if there's new members that they're kind of feeling out. They're kind of get that trying to get that 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 flow and and that that team composition going. Uh, but I think that was interesting that uh, Cloud Nine was able to uh, secure a win there and and kind of made uh, Team Liquid uh, hopefully have to step back and say, all right, we need to reevaluate things and and moving forward. Uh, maybe they'll do some some dominating. And you know, the good news for Team Liquid is if you're gonna get a wake up call, uh, it's better to have it start right at the beginning of the season than mid season or end late in the season. You never know how a loss like that or a surprising loss can affect you if you're too far deep into the season. We see that in lots of different sports where a bad loss can derail your season. So I think you know what, if you're gonna take a loss like that, have it be now and you've got plenty of time to figure it out. Right. Now, is there any other, you know, we know the the Cloud Nines, we know, uh, um, you know, uh, Team Liquid and whatnot. Are there any other teams that, you know, as we get into this season that uh, uh, that are looking good or look like they might be contenders uh, uh, for these championships and within this uh, season? I feel like I'm going to eat these words now that I'm about to say them. <laughs> <laughs> my, my initial answer coming into the season was not really. There seems to be... At least in my end, there's there's a clear hierarchy. And now, to be fair, I I wasn't I wasn't sure I'd put Cloud Nine right there, Team Liquid before the season. Obviously, that's been proven wrong to begin with. So of course, you never know. Uh, the other teams, I think, just have a lot of catching up to do if they want to catch these two teams. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, you have t- uh, other big known names too, like uh, TSM. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Team Liquid's going to look to uh, uh, try to bounce back a little bit uh, playing against them. You've got uh, out here uh, Vegas Inferno. They've uh, throwing their hats in the ring as far as uh, the League of Legends uh, uh, season and and what they're what they're going to do. So I think it's going to be another exciting season uh, of League of Legends. We're definitely going to be getting out to some of those events uh, out here that are in Vegas, or if there's any bigger ones and whatnot. Uh, but we def- definitely want to uh, follow along with the season. I, I know that about a month or so ago, we were able to uh, uh, get a get a uh, interview with uh, Tyler One as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down and and seeing kind of how this season fleshes out and see where where places go. I mean, it's part of that exciting part of the season, right? You, you, you're getting in, you're starting to get that feel, you see where places are going or, or where teams are going, and then by the end of the year, it's like pretty clear cut, you know, like, okay, these are the, 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 the top tier teams versus, you know, the rest of the league. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. You know, in terms of the way they put on presentation-wise, you know, I, there's not many leagues that I think do, does it better than League of Legends. You know, we both had the opportunity to cover the All-Star event that was out here in December, and, you know, that was my first time covering a League event live, and you know what? They put on a great product, uh, especially for something like the All-Star event. It was very fan-friendly. It seemed like the fans get right up and close, meet some of their favorite players. You know, do you sense that League really kind of has a handle on, on how to present this to their fans in, in the right way? Absolutely. I mean, again, especially uh, within this, uh, this uh, uh, within video games, esports, they've been doing it for some time now. And I feel like they've gotten a good grasp as far as the production level, as far as making these events, not only about uh, the games, uh, about these people competing, but they're also, you know, the, the fan service that they do. And, and for me, being able to go there and, and really seeing the star power that these players, 
players have was absolutely incredible to me. You know, I, I realized that you have some bigger names like streamers, you have bigger name uh, gamers and pros and whatnot, but the uh, amount of level uh, that I saw from these fans, uh, how much they were cheering, just being able to take pictures. And, and I mean, again, being gamers, you know, we're just, you know, it's just normal people, you know, but you're just really, really good <laughs> at a particular game. And people recognize that and you do get that that star power from it. And, and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to be at these events. Um, you know, they're they're only going to get bigger. And I think the production values uh, on them are going to continue increasing. Uh, it, it's 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 fantastic uh, what they've done so far. You know, historically speaking, League of Legends likes to move around their events, but it seems like a city like Las Vegas would be tailor-made for an event like the All-Star event. Very fan-friendly. I think you'll get a lot of players always wanting to take part in it just because of the city. Um, do you see Las Vegas as a good long-term solution for an All-Star event if they ever decided not to move it around as much? I mean, come on now. It's <laughs> Vegas, baby. Of course. <laughs> of course. This is an international uh, travel vacation spot. People have no issues coming out here, both on the player side, on the fan side. I can't think of a better city to host more gaming events and bigger productions than Las Vegas. The infrastructure is being built as we speak, we're, we're seeing them more in casinos, uh, just regular venues. You, you see them at uh, UNLV uh, has a team. I mean, I, I feel like Las Vegas is really embracing this video gaming culture. And they're, you know, they're doing what Vegas does. They're going to make it big and bold and, and amazing. So, boy, I'll tell you right now, prediction right now, absolutely all-star, all-star. And we're going to see more events, uh, video gaming events coming out here in Las Vegas in the future. I like that. I think I agree with that. <laughs> that is a good segue into our interview for this week's episode. We had a chance to chat with Matt Archambault, who is the head of esports partnerships and business development for Riot Games. And we were able to spend a pretty good chunk of time with them talking about the All-Star event and talking about their plans for this season uh, for League of Legends. So we hope you enjoy this interview. <laughs> Thank you for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Absolutely. Just talk to me about the All-Star event, the great event. You know, what do you look for in this event? What do you hope people take away from this? Yeah, I mean, really at the end of the day, this is meant to be a celebration from, from the entire year, right? Like, the, it's a very long season. We have the 13 regional leagues that are all competing. We have our three international events, starting with MSI, then Worlds, which just wrapped up in Paris. And then obviously we want this to be a, a fun culmination of, of everything that just happened throughout the year. Um, so at the end of the day, we want it to not just be a celebration for the fans and the players you know, that support us throughout the year, but we want it to be fun for the pros. So bringing in influencers, bringing in the LPP team, and that, that's really the exciting part here. They get a chance to do things in a competitive but non-competitive way so that everyone could really just have a good time and enjoy it and you know, finish off the year as free agency is going on in a happy spirit. So. It was a fantastic year, an exciting year. What were your takeaways just watching the progression of the season here? It's been a, man, I have so many takeaways. I don't know if we have three hours for this, but um, I think really at the end of the day, you know, you got to see some really strong teams come out like at the beginning of the year, you know, being an NA, like we saw an LCS team in, in the MSI finals and get a chance to win, but they got there. Um, and then you saw G2 in there for, for Worlds and then obviously Fun Plus came away with it. So I think you got a chance to see some really interesting storylines develop some young talent really coming through and, and showcasing how strong they are, both just personally and just how, how they work within the team. So 
I think really at the end of the day, like fans loved it, viewership's up, which is also a great thing for us to look at. Um, it's always a wonderful number for us to have. But you know, beyond that, as long as you see like positive health, as long as you see the players that are happy and you see the professionals that are happy, that that's a great season for us. So, obviously, league's been the giant in the esports world. How have you seen it evolve through the years? I mean, where what lessons had to be learned through the years to get to where you guys are today? Yeah, so, I mean, this is the ninth year that we've been doing League of Legends, right? The, the game itself celebrated its 10-year anniversary just well, about four or five weeks ago, which is really amazing. Um, you know, for us, the evolution, you know, we started in DreamHack in 2011, and, you know, that was really a situation, and our, our CEO not too long ago just came out and said, like, we didn't know if this was going to be a thing, right? We didn't know if it was going to be as big as it is now, if we were going to be able to support 13 leagues around the world or whatnot. And so as, as time's gone on, I think we've really been able to envelop the community. We were always a little behind them, which is really great because we're able to take a tactical approach to it. And because the fan base of the game is so strong, it just allows us to invest more and more into it. And I think as we've gone on, we've gotten bigger and better. You know, if you look at last year, we had KDA. This year we had True Damage. The opening ceremony was mind-blowing. Like even someone who saw a lot of it on the inside, when I saw it in person, I was blown away by it, right? If you look at what we're also doing just with outside partners coming into play, and like an Oppo's a new partner, obviously MasterCard's been here for a while, Red Bull, Louis Vuitton coming on board. So when you're seeing a lot of the engagement that's happening, not just with the endemic partners like Alienware, who's been with us for a long time and great, and State Farm, but you're seeing some of those, uh, I would say, endemic adjacent brands coming into it. You're just seeing overall growth, and it's, it's really exciting to see. Was there a stretch of time that was kind of that turning point for you guys, where it turned from... I don't know if that's the right word, but seeing if it was going to work to believing that it was going to work. And then looking ahead to the future, what's the next steps? Yeah, so I mean, I think if we go back really to like 2011 when we first did this, that was a little bit of our test, right? We knew that people love to play. We knew that people love to compete and do that. But we didn't know if people outside of really like the Asian areas were going to adopt into this. And if you were going to see a massive online audience, and we did. And that blew us away. And we're like, okay, there, there's a there there. Like, this is a thing. We need to follow this. And I think for that and for us, as we continued to evolve beyond that, as we started selling out the Staples Center and as we started going to China and Beijing and you started to see all this, like, we got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we started realizing that we needed to invest more and make it more of a spectacle. I mean, it is the largest entertainment and competitive gaming aspect of, of the world, of what we do. And I think for us, it's just been iterative. Like we want to get better and better because we're constantly pushing ourselves, but also because our fans expect it. And also our pros want to see something cool too. They want to walk out and they want to see all that. So I think really it was that year one, year two, where we didn't know it was going to happen. And we started looking at viewership and it's just been a constant evolution. I think, you know, looking towards the future, obviously our 10 year is next year. We're going to be in China. It's going to be a very big year for us. Um, I think there's there's a lot that's going to be happening. We can't go into too many of those details right now, but the momentum is there. We want to beat ourselves every year. We want to do better. We want to push the envelope, and we want our opening ceremony to be better than the Super Bowl, to be better than some of these other spectacle events. And I think we're getting there right now. Uh, if not, we are. So how do we continue to iterate on top of that? You know, so we are with the Ruby Journal here in Las Vegas. Yeah. So what makes Vegas such a good spot to host an event like this? Well, I mean, going back to what I was saying, the whole point of this is celebration, right? And obviously, come to Vegas, what stays, what, what you do in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Kind of Sin City, that whole aspect of it. 
being able to be here, ha have fans come from all around the world to engage, to be able to enjoy the casinos, the entertainment properties that are here, it just provides a really fun, solemn vibe. And I think that's a really interesting and engaging thing. We were here last year. We wanted to come back again. Everyone had an awesome time last year. So whether or not it's the fans who told us Vegas is awesome, so we want to go do it, whether or not it's the influencers that come out and then want to go have a good time, go see some shows and go gamble and have a great time, I think it just, it provides that overall, overall, and like, I think this dichotomy of what we want to see. Matt, thank you again for that interview. Uh, we are excited to see uh, what Riot Games has in store for us, uh, future events, and just seeing how big they really go. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, moving a little bit different direction now, we want to jump into uh, the the battle of PlayStation 5 versus the Xbox Series X. Name alone, <laughs> PlayStation hands down. I mean, come on, keep it simple. Series X, I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. And, and, and let me also preface this, too, that I have never owned an Xbox, so I may be a little partial okay. to PlayStation. Okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to I'm going to try to keep that uh, out of this. But um, I, I, I figured I should preface uh, this conversation beforehand. Uh, I just want to jump into uh, the, you know, just jump right into it. And, and let's talk about the pricing. Nothing has officially uh, been said. There's been all kinds of speculation about it, ranging from $699 to possibly $399. I know that there was a leaked document uh, that I had found that was stating that the Xbox Series X looks like it may come out at $499 starting price. And then uh, I believe there's a possibility of PlayStation uh, uh coming out with their pricing and announcing their pricing uh, here early in February. But theirs is also leaning towards that $4.99. So again, it sounds like they may be coming out around the same price point. We talked about this on the first episode, $5.99, ah, I can't do it. $4.99, okay, I can get on board with that. Uh, so it looks like, and it sounds like it's gonna be more of a competitive uh, uh, price point for both, but but from from what these leaks are are looking like, uh, it sounds like they're going to be coming out coming out around the same price. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them said, "All right, if they're going to come out at four ninety nine, we're going to come out at four forty nine or something like that," just to get a little extra. Like, well, it's cheaper. I'm going to go with that one out the gate. Um, so we'll we'll see what they do there. But uh, four ninety nine, I think that's a reasonable price. You know, I do too. I think. That is right off the edge for me. However, uh, if these rumors were wrong and they went any higher than four ninety nine, I'd have to take a real long look at what was being offered out of the box and what games were available in the launch window. Um, I agree with you that if you remember to the launch of the PS four versus the Xbox One mm -hmm. uh, in Sony's little beatdown at E three that year, yeah. <laughs> Sony basically came out and said everything Xbox is going to do we're going to do the opposite that included a 399 price which was after Xbox had said they were going at 499 so if one of these companies even went down to 449 i think there'd be a lot of goodwill 
built just from that move. So it'll be interesting to see. And just, just that $50, I think, makes a, a huge difference in people's minds. If they somehow got to $100 cheaper, it might be game over, just kind of like how uh, the Xbox One had to come from behind after that first E3. If one of these consoles was significantly cheaper, I think that leave the other one kind of out there to uh, to hang and dry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we we already saw that that is that's going to be a huge factor in whether people are actually going to purchase it when they purchase it. If it's going to be something that they will, you know, again, that's these are going to these are looking to drop probably around the holiday season. I'm guessing uh, late to mid October, maybe into November uh, would be my guess as to when they drop. But that price point is going to be a huge factor, especially starting off in this console war on which one's going to have that upper edge. Let's talk design for a second. I know we haven't seen anything officially from PlayStation. We have from Xbox. It looked like a big tower thing. It kind of looked weird. It looked like a refrigerator or something like that. And then there's only been a, and, and I'm going to say this. I know you guys can't see it in the podcast, but I'm, I'm going to do it with uh, the quotation marks, uh, that, that, the, that the PlayStation design was just a... Uh, it wasn't an official design from what I saw. It was like a V that it was a box with a V in uh, it. It looked terrible. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they both look absolutely terrible. So I'm hoping that that is not the final design uh, on those. But for me, they both get thumbs down. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, at least with Sony's, that's just got to be the prototype, right? That can't possibly be what they want to go with. <laughs> I'm. You know what? I'm okay with them incorporating the V somehow for PlayStation 5 if they really want to do that for some reason. But my goodness, that thing looked weird. Weird, to say the least. With the Xbox, you know my biggest problem is these last-gen consoles were big enough to begin with. And I don't have that much shelf space. And I can't afford to have these things be that huge because I don't know where the heck I'm going to put them. I guess maybe on my carpet, I guess. (laughs) Which would not be good because they would overheat and, and, or at least I feel that they would. It's weird. Yeah, it it is kind of weird. And it's like, I would think that the, the, that the consoles would be getting smaller uh, as time goes on, but they seem to be getting bigger. And this could also be the equipment and the stuff that is going inside of it. It needs some sort of casing to be able to accommodate uh, because, I mean, they're both going to be super powerful. You know, they are, and it'll be interesting because Microsoft did buy a ton of studios recently to try and beef up their future uh, first-party stuff. That won't come to fruition for a while, though. So Sony, assuming some of their first-party studios are working to... I'm going to just say presume sequels to like to some of their first party titles like uh <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn and whatnot. I'm I'm assuming they're making a sequel to games like those. Sony should have the more immediate output. Uh if you're looking at a more long-term play just out of sheer numbers, Microsoft should have a pretty good number of exclusives down the pipeline. The question is how much after launch does that come? Right. Well, that's something that I've always found kind of interesting about uh Xbox is that other than really the Halo series, uh, uh, I almost said Metal Gear Solid. Gears of War. Gears of War, thank you. I'm an idiot. Uh, Gears of War, uh, you know, they never really had a lot of uh, exclusive titles that came out that, you know, made people say, you know what, I'm going to get this over over this other console just strictly on the, the exclusives alone. I feel like people tend to lean more towards the PlayStation side uh, because of some of those exclusives. It's an extra incentive. It's a, a, a way to do it. Now, Now, also on that note, uh, and we know that that uh, PlayStation now is working with 
Microsoft as far as with the cloud gaming. Uh, I kind of feel like this might be the last time maybe that we actually get new consoles. It could be moving to cloud gaming. Uh, I know that you're familiar with the uh, Stadia, which obviously that had a <laughs> to, to say it had a rocky start is, is a bit of an <laughs> understatement. But I, I do appreciate and I applaud um, what they're trying to do. And I do believe that helped to progress because I do believe that uh, cloud gaming is going to end up being the future for us. They're just not there yet. And seeing like, you know, Sony teaming up with Microsoft and these companies coming together and not having all this proprietary, uh, you know, games and they're starting to open that up a little bit. I think that's exciting for all of us gamers, not to mention uh, uh, being able to see more and more titles that are that are crossplay. I think with this next gen, I think if you don't have crossplay within these multiplayer games, you are you are severely stinting uh, the growth and the success uh, that a game could do because everybody uh, enjoys that crossplay and being able to, hey, it doesn't matter if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation or a PC or, shoot, even a Switch. Um, well, although, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> um, you know, being able to play with your friends, no matter what console you have, is the future, is the way that it's going. And, you know, again, another exciting piece to this console puzzle and this gaming puzzle as a whole. You know, Microsoft has been making overtures to basically be saying, we want you to play our games regardless of platform. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing that with games like Cuphead, which is on the Switch now, things like that, which I think is very cool. And it will be interesting to see because Sony seemed to be the least uh, willing of the three major companies for a long time. And we all remember the <laughs> controversy mm -hmm. with, with <laughs> some of that. Um, I do think it's changing. Uh, quick side note, Stadia, good idea, way too early. Just the, the infrastructure is not there. It might work for a very select few people that have that internet available at the speeds and stability necessary. The majority of the country doesn't have that. So good luck, Stadia. Just way too early. Uh, but yeah, I, this could very well be the last new consoles we get. They have been saying that for the last couple, but we are making bigger and bigger steps toward that future. You know, we're seeing things like even in Japan where they ran a Switch that was streaming Resident Evil 7. Mm. So we, we've been seeing things like that happening and it's exciting. Uh, I, I am super excited for that. You know, it's a lot of times for people, it's the cost of the equipment is the biggest barrier to get into these ecosystems. If you can eliminate that to a large degree, I think everybody wins. Yeah, no, I, that's absolutely correct. And then, I mean, speaking on speeds and, and, and space and whatnot, I know that, and, and this has been a long time coming. Again, these are all, these are, these have not been confirmed, uh, but there's a lot of talk about both of the systems having uh, SSDs, which makes sense. It's going to up the speed. We've, I've seen videos where they show a comparison from PS4 to PS5, and just the load times are, are, are you know, significantly better. But the other thing about this, too, because even with, the t like, let's say it's two terabytes, right? Even with two terabytes, 
you've got games that are like 100 gigs. The games are getting bigger and, and more graphics intensive. Essentially, these systems, you're building mini computers into these systems. You know, like for me, it's like, well, why wouldn't I just get a good solid PC mm-hmm. instead of getting a console? But again, this is where like, oh, you've got this exclusive that I can't get. You know, it's, all right, I'll, I'll pick it up. Uh, but it, it's nice that we are leaning away from that. Uh, but two terabytes, the SSD part, that is exciting. Uh, two terabytes ah, is that's gonna be tough that's gonna be tough the storage is just uh the bane of so many people's because <laughs> anybody that bought a launch xbox or a launch ps4 knows that 500 gigabytes lasted you like five minutes like that just right it i guess the problem is the cost trade-off i guess if you're gonna put in larger and larger uh storage options how much does that bump up the price and you know as we touched on where does that line cross where i would just build a pc at that point yeah yeah well i think it'd be kind of cool too if they like had different levels like hey you can get the ps5 with a a four terabyte or a six terabyte and it like you know steps up in in price and whatnot but they seem to you know this is what you get and then you have to go in and change this stuff out yourself which then also can could void your warranty uh you know there's all kinds of other problems with that so it's like yeah i i wish that they i I will always be that person that's like i wish i i need more space i need more space and as these games get bigger uh i will continue saying we need more space uh for this especially on a console level you know speaking of of these consoles and you had mentioned you wish they had some more storage options there have been some rumors and i think just with the title series x the assumption is that they're going to have different tiers of these consoles at least on xbox's side Mm Whereas everything I've been seeing about the PS5, obviously nothing has been confirmed, everything could change, but everything I've been seeing is that there's going to be one model of the PS5, at least initially. Do you think that's a better option, or do you like to see a a base model or and a more advanced model, for lack of a better way to put it, or just having that one choice? I would rather, if you're going to do advanced levels and things like that, I want that day one. Right. Or at least give me a couple options or give people a couple options. It always feels like a cash grab when six months down the road, they say, now we've come out with the the PS5 Slim. Give us another uh, whatever, three ninety nine or it's going to be a little cheaper. And it's like I understand that. But it's like it'd be nice to have uh, some different tiers right out the gate. I, I believe in like you were saying with Xbox, I believe that there's going to be uh, one that has a uh, disc reader that has a disc and one that is completely uh, cloud game or not cloud I'm sorry but uh, uh, digital uh, uh, downloads and whatnot and for me I haven't and I know that there's some people that uh, they they love having those physical copies they have to have that physical copy whereas I haven't purchased a physical copy for a game in I mean, how long was the PS4 out for? <laughs> you know, I just kind of said, because I, I always hated having the disc. And then you had to put it in. Then you still got to install it and download stuff. And it's like, well, what's the point? If I have to do this regardless, then, then I'm just not going to get the disc because I can't play the game unless I have the disc in, which is annoying. You know, if they do that, I, I hope both of them do something like that. But it sounds like Xbox uh, for sure is going to have multiple models on launch. And that could be the deciding factor uh, as far as this uh, uh, this uh, console war uh, kicks off. I keep saying console war. It's not, it is and it's not. 
that's that's the PlayStation guy in me. Uh. <laughs> you, you know, the, it used to be a lot worse than it is now. They're, they seem to be playing a lot nicer than they did in the old days. That's true. Well, before it was Nintendo versus Sega. You know, my brother had a Sega. I had a Nintendo. So there's always going to be something to compete against, right? So <laughs> if, if Sony released a PS5 Slim and or a PS5 Pro a year or two after launch, is that enough of a distance between your launch PS5 that you'd be okay with that? Or or is this, is this, because essentially that's what they did here. I know it was a little bit longer than that, but do you, are you okay with that half step? Um, I mean, yeah, because they're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be okay. You know, I would not go out to buy it though. It, the only way that I would go out and purchase it is if I had issues with my my original PlayStation Five uh, that I purchased. But I can't see myself going out. I mean, I, I I would see myself going out and getting an Xbox X Series before going and getting the step up in a PlayStation Five. If I already have it, I don't need it multiple times you know and and that's kind of where i'm at whereas of course you're going to have a bunch of consumers that did not out the gate purchase the systems so they're really and again i think these are kind of it's not for me you know these are for the people that that are waiting that are saying hey i know there's going to be a better version i'm just going to hold off there's not many games that are out right now anyway i'm just going to hold off and wait for these new ones to drop here in like six seven months and then i'm either going to pick pick it up on the low or i'm going to pick up the the new one that's got the super amazing like blah, like whatever whatever it may be um you know so it you know it's like eh, I, I'm not a fan of it but they're gonna they're gonna do it regardless and people will buy it and and I don't think it's really targeted for me anyway you know I think we're on the same page here I, I understand that there are going to be multiple versions of these consoles coming out but I do much prefer the Xbox way of just lay it out all for me at one time uh, let me make my choice up front and I think I'm much happier with that than having a year or two from now coming in with that half step it just makes your initial purchase feel more valuable. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, you know, something else that I'm, I'm kind of curious about, too, is the controllers. Uh, for me, that actually was a big point of contention for the Xbox. And the reason why I never end up picking up an Xbox was because of how big that controller was. It didn't feel right. And I don't have like... I don't have small hands. I don't have little baby hands. All right, <laughs> I've got I've got normal normal size hands. Um, but yeah, something about that controller. Now I heard this last one was pretty solid. Uh, it wasn't as big as that and big as clunky as that first one. Uh, but still, something about that Xbox controller. I've just never really been a fan of. So that could be another selling point for me. That if they make some changes that just feel a little more comfortable. Not only that, but then playing on uh, Switch uh, kind of has gotten me a little more comfortable to having the uh, analog sticks being on two different sides and and whatnot so i'm definitely a lot more open uh to 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 the xbox than i ever have been in the past yeah you know i've switched over my years i bought an og xbox since i don't know what to call it anymore because i can't <laughs> call it an xbox one or anything like that um i then you know i had a wii u unfortunately for myself i <laughs> said your condolences everybody i never had a wii u i did uh, have a wii though and then i went to ps4 so i've switched around i do really love my ps4 i've had so much fun with it the amount of games that i've spent a lot of hours on so 
you know, initially, if today, I would say I probably would buy the PS5 over the Xbox One, or the Xbox Series X, excuse me. There are some things that if things come in, mainly price, but also some of these different models here that might still sway me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair enough. Again, one of the biggest, uh, I think, deciding factors for most gamers is going to be price. I think there's also going to be a lot of people that don't end up picking these up right when they right when they come out. But then you're going to also have people like me that are absolutely going to pick them up right away and go through the troubles of you know a new anything. Um, but that's part of the fun of it, I guess, uh, as well. So I know that when PS4 launched originally, um, there were people that had to send theirs back. They were having issues and things like that, and they actually rectified the the, the issues pretty quickly. But can you imagine getting a new console and having that issue, having to send it off for two weeks? How salty you would be at that? I would be so salty at that. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully there's not too much of that. Would you ever not play a current-gen version of a game knowing that it's going to come out for next-gen? Uh, so you're saying just not play it at all? Yeah, so say say a game like Cyberpunk or The Last of Us. I'm assuming, I guess it hasn't been officially announced, there are next-gen versions of those games coming out. Yeah. Would you ever wait for those and wait for the new systems? No. I mean, again, the only thing that's, uh, to me, in my opinion, the only thing that's going to be different is maybe it's the graphics really uh, other than that you're not gonna there's not gonna well and and i could be wrong too uh but i can't think of anything within this next console that would prevent me from getting a game now and playing it on this generation uh as opposed to hey but if you wait for for xbox x series or or uh, ps5 there's also going to be these crazy features that are a part of this because we don't know Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'd hate to be the person to to wait for something being like, ooh, it could be hot on PS5. And it's like, oh, no, it's the exact same thing. But now you've just doubled what your graphics look like. But it doesn't matter because you don't have a TV that, that, that can push that anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, yep. And you know what, too? When we went to from PS3 to PS4, The Last of Us didn't get ported till a year in. Right. So sometimes... For some reason, they don't do that right away. No. And, and the other thing, too, is when they did make that switch over from PS3 to PS4, uh, I was in a uh, Call of Duty clan, and, and this is crazy. So the the leaders of this clan basically said, hey, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I got, I got the PS4. Who's getting on? You know, this and that. No, no we're still playing on PS3. And I'm like, can't do that i've got a ps4 though what do you mean you're gonna continue i was like i'm not gonna own the same game on playstation 4 and playstation 3 now that's where backwards compatibility really would have come in handy there but we all you know playstation uh didn't go that route from ps3 to ps4 uh so maybe you you know we know for for the most part that both of these consoles are going to have backwards compatibility so again this is even more reason for me not to wait until you know it comes out for you know specifically for that console uh in order to uh, get that th- get those games i don't think much would change do you think sony's gonna do full backwards compatibility i always get nervous when they say they will be able to be backwards compatible i get nervous <laughs> <laughs> as you should because yeah they've been they've been pretty sketchy as far as the backwards compatibility i think though they saw because there's PlayStation Now, uh, which is basically a rental service. It's all over. Uh, it's all digital, but you can play these these games from past PlayStation uh, consoles. And I don't think that service is doing too well. 
So instead of trying to have it as a separate service, one that's not flourishing or, or striving uh, at all, I don't think, uh, it makes sense for them to take what they've learned from that and then incorporate it directly into the PlayStation 5. Yeah, I agree with that. It seems like PlayStation now might go the way of Vita, rest in peace, and just kind of <laughs> fade into the background and then just stop being mentioned at all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That sounds about right. Uh, so, so after after having this conversation, and we want to know from you guys, what what console are you guys planning on getting a console uh, when they come out? Xbox uh, Series X? You're gonna get the PlayStation Five, or are you gonna say, you know what, I can take that money and I can I can make a pretty sweet uh, gaming PC as well? Uh, we want to hear from you. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter over at Lamb Parties Pod, uh, or you know, of course, anywhere else uh, on the socials. Hit us up. Let us know. We want to hear. And we're going to end today with a new trivia question. You can feel free to shoot your answers to us on all our social media accounts, and we will share some answers on episode three, which drops next Wednesday. This week's trivia question centers around League of Legends. At the 2019 League of Legends World Finals, at its peak, how many viewers were watching the World Finals? Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. I know it's going to be, I know the number is going to, it's going to, you'd be surprised how many people uh, uh, watch League of Legends. I was surprised at how many people watch League of Legends, uh, just gaming in general. So that, that, yeah, I'm excited. Get your answers into us, guys. Uh, we'll announce it uh, on the air during our next podcast, episode three. Uh, this is going to do it for us here at uh, Las Vegas Review Journal Land Parties uh, Video Gaming and Esports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, myself and Lucas Egan. Lucas, where can we find you on the socials? So you can find me on Twitter at Lucas Egan. That's Lucas with a K and not a C. I spell it weird. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find me on Instagram at Egan Lucas. So just my last name and my first name, Switch Spots. Absolutely. And then you can find me on there uh, basically everywhere on the uh, socials and interwebs. I am Smitty2447. So please reach out to us, guys. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you again for joining us. Have a, a safe drive to, from uh, work, home, whatever you may be doing. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you real soon.